0: Welcome to the Punk and Pile Drivers podcast.
1: Here on the Backbreaker Media Network, and now your host,
2: Big Bad Boris. After a very long hiatus, the Punk and Pile Drivers podcast has returned. My, uh, my Christmas break kind of turned into like a two-month break, so i apologize for that. But I'm very, very excited to be back, and I'm very, very, very excited to have an awesome, awesome guest today, the Wizard King himself, Mr. Oren Veidt. Oren, thank you so much for taking the time to join me and hang out with me today.
1: No, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm glad I get to be the, the first guest back after a hiatus.
2: Yeah, I took, uh, I took the, like the week or the two weeks of Christmas and New Year's off, and I just kind of got lazy and never got back to it, so...
1: I I feel that I I get that way with streaming on Twitch all the time. I I get in like a a good groove and then I stop. And the next thing I know, it's been three months.
2: We're going to talk about the Twitch thing a little bit later too, because that's something that I want to learn more about. But uh, the first thing, the first thing I want to talk about is Cole Radrick. Because you made a goddamn star on the weekend. And I think that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, fun fact um
1: Cole was actually just doing ring crew when I did my like when I had my GCW debut against G Raver back in 2019 um Cole Radrick was just there doing ring crew hadn't gotten any bookings for GCW was still just a small local kid um and I remember bullshitting with him at that show and uh yeah the the kid really kind of made a name for himself in in normal wrestling and I've always liked him. We've always been friends. Uh, and he kind of got an opportunity when Alex Colon got hurt. And they said, are you sure you can do it? And he's like, yeah, I can do it. I can, I can, I can hang. And I was like, are you sure? Because
2: this is going to suck. First of all, I love, I, the, I, I love the term. Sorry to cut you off. I love the term normal wrestling. I, I usually call it traditional wrestling. But, uh, there we so, go. Yeah, so that came about from, from Alex Colon being injured, correct? Yeah.
1: yeah, Alex unfortunately got hurt. Um, he, he had a longer weekend. He wrestled Thursday for violence and suffering. And then Friday night at um, Sean Henderson weekend at Sean, mm-hmm. he took a bump on a chair and it kind of got him in an awful spot on his spine and wrecked his back. He tried to wrestle earlier on Saturday in a tag match with me, and he hurt it even worse. And so he, he pulled himself from the weekend. Um, I replaced Alex for GCW on Saturday in a impromptu tag in match the and then Cole yeah. re- yep, and then Cole replaced him on on Sunday in the singles.
2: Yeah, I've been a fan of, of Radrick all the times I've seen him. I've always thought that like especially for a guy that's kind of still relatively new a couple of years in, I think he's really been killing it. And when I heard that he was doing this, uh, I was blown away and I just got a chance to watch the match about an hour ago. Cause I'm, I'm behind on stuff and I watch a lot of wrestling. I'm trying to catch up and, and I thought it might be I'm trying to find the word. Like he might kind of, you know, go medium hard, but he went hard, hard. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the, we were joking. Cause
1: he's like yeah every time i've done death matches because he's done a handful of them okay. um, he's like every every time i do them i wear you know baggy pants and, and a cutoff t-shirt he's like i unfortunately don't have death match gear with me because i wasn't planning on doing a death match this weekend so it looks like i'm doing it in my uh in my singlet and uh and i was like well uh it's about to get crazy out there and he was game
2: yeah he you guys really killed it now when there's a guy that doesn't have the experience that you have in that genre do you feel kind of a responsibility to kind of help him help him get through it and make sure he's safe and, and that kind of thing I mean you always want to make sure your your opponent's always safe but with somebody newer is there a little bit of an extra onus on trying to just make sure you get through it in one piece and it still be good
1: I I pride myself a lot on on my ability to do that I've I've had a lot of people's first death matches their first, you know, like real death matches. And I always tell them, I'm like, trust me, just trust me when I do stuff, you know, as, as we talk some of this stuff out, I, you know, I, I find out where their, where their lines are, you know, what things they're not okay with, you know, like gossip plates, stuff like that. And then, you know, I tell them like, trust me, I will talk to you the whole time we're out there. We'll we'll get through it. Like, as long as you trust me, this will go perfect. And they do. And every time it goes incredible and, you know, while we're out there where, you know, I'm checking in on them the whole time, I'm keeping them motivated the whole time, Mm -hmm. you know, just that, that reinforcement every time, like you're killing it, keep going, keep going, keep going. Like you're killing it. Like you good. And, you know, just that, that communication to, to keep that energy up and man, Cole, like Cole knew me, you know, we like I said we've we've been friends for quite a while, so I knew he trusted me, mm-hmm. and and that's that's the biggest thing in a death match. If you trust your opponent, and I trusted him with the stuff that he you know gave me, and when you trust your opponent in, in a style like that, you can really create some magic, and that's what we were able to do.
2: And I think you guys did a really great job of reading the crowd as well, especially after the upside down chair spot where they really started to chant and get behind him and you kind of instantly kicked in and I'm going to heal it up a little bit and then give the fingers And the more that, you know, you pissed them off, the more they got behind him and the whole thing just worked so well. Was that a plan thing or was just kind of you no. using your brain and kind of feeling out the audience?
1: Yeah. And, and that's something that, you know, I, my ego is is not a not a huge one if if people want to boo me and really love my opponent then hell yeah boo the shit out of me i will soak that in but you know like normally like in recent years i've I've been more of a fan favorite but cole's Mm -hmm. been around gcw a lot more recently than i have and so obviously the fans were a lot more you know gravitating towards him and especially as you know that match is going on and he's taking this beating and they're really coming up for him that allowed me to just go full heel and you know add add some extra stuff into that back end of that match to get him more you know to really get them behind him and you know beat him up just a little bit more to make the crowd really get that sympathy going so then when he when he pulled out the victory it was just chef's kiss you know everything on top and and the fans they never expected it because we didn't expect it you know if if we're pulling back the curtain like we both expected like oh yeah or or's up nope putting him over I'm like perfect great this is an even easier story to tell Yeah, you know
2: and I think it dispels this bullshit myth that like deathmatch guys can't work cuz that's using your brain to help tell right. that story
1: Well in in like there were there was a few things on Twitter you know where where people talked about that and I think that's one of the things that thankfully the, the crop that brought me up, you know, the G Ravers, the Alex Cologne, the Eric Ryans of the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, those kind of guys instilled it in me to like, to have that psychology first and foremost. And, and that should be my, my first thought is what story are we telling in this match? not what stupid stuff can we do in this match. And I'm really grateful for that because then I'm able to translate it and with younger guys to keep them in like, that almost helps keep Cole in his element because he's used to telling stories. He's used to doing, you know, stuff in, in that way. So then he's just adding a different element to it, but he's still doing the same stuff that he's used to, you know, exactly. it it, be, it becomes no different than traditional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I take great pride in that. And, you know, I think my my work ethic really speaks for itself in that. You know, there was there was a whole piece uh, written on me and my my storytelling by a fantastic author, um, and that's that, that's on on Twitter and I can give the the links to that here later on as as probably as we close. But I I take great pride in that
2: um one of the things that i saw on social media i don't remember if it was gcw's twitter or if it was yours or it was his but there was a camera that followed Cole behind the curtain and you were there and you just gave him this amazing pep talk and i watched this pep talk and i was ready to run through a pane of glass after that pep talk and i was like fuck yeah let's go <laughs> and i think that's super I, uh... cool of you to do it's just like you know you guys got each other's backs and i think it's just such a great fraternity and it's so awesome well, and, and, and that's what it is. I mean,
1: like, like me, I, you know, I, I've said it publicly a couple of times, you know, I don't have a family This this is my family. So, you know, to, to see kids be like in the spot that I was once in, because I remember when I, you know, when I had the G-Raver match and, you know, I was getting the please come back chance and all of a sudden I became a household name overnight, mm-hmm. you know, still one of the best matches in GCW history. um, And and so many people still like monthly, I get people finding that match like oh my god this match is incredible and i remember coming back through the curtain and having you know the the Tremonts and the gauges and you know having having my you know at the time really close friend cody rice just embraced me and and, you know tell me that how proud he was of me and you know and that i I did it you know like all my my nerves and my self doubt i i went out there and i showed it. it and to have that reassurance the second you walk through the curtain it's huge And in that video, you see him get it from Alex, you see it get it from, you know, Jimmy's giving him the the claps and like good, good shit. And then, you know, to be able to be the last one he sees there and and really reiterate to him that, hey, man, like you, you should be fucking proud of yourself. Like what you just did was incredible. And and you just made a moment that'll, that'll genuinely last forever. You know, there's going to be people that will always remember this match. And, and I'm really proud of stuff like that and, you know, moments like that that fortunately get to be captured. It's really special
0: to me.
2: There's a picture of him on social media. I think I saw it today of his back after he was all cleaned up and there's like a ring on kind of his lower back that's pretty chewed up. Yeah. How's, how's he doing? Is he doing all right? He's doing great. He's, I'm sorry, he's I'm, like, I'm yeah, not trying but, to make know. this the Cole Radrick podcast. I just, <laughs> this, I just thought it was so great. It was so well done.
1: No, he, he said he's, you know, a little, little tender, a little sore, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, he, uh, he's, he's back to, back to the shoot job. And, and and I I told him, I was like, look, man, it's going to suck. Uh, the, the healing process on this one is not going to be a fun one, but, uh, trust me, it, it's worth it. Cause I, man, I remember my, my first view where, where you go real hard and afterwards and the adrenaline comes down and then all the regret sets in and you're like, <laughs> Oh no, what did I just do? But it's always worth it in the end.
2: So can we pencil him in for TOS then? Man, they better.
1: If if they don't, they they've made a a giant mistake.
2: And that was a thing that like the the fans came up with that the fans wanted. They're already wanting more, and he in the in that that Twitter video, he was like, "I'm ready to do more too." So I mean, there's there's more stories to be told here.
0: And and I
1: I want to point out because I mean he gets criticized a lot but Kevin Gill and Dave Frazak on commentary for that match were absolutely phenomenal.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned the, that because that's what I do for my, like for my local independent promotion that I work for, I, I do commentary and, and it's something that I take very seriously. And I think that it's something that when it's done well can add so much.
1: And, and I think this was one of those examples where, you know, I've, I've traveled the world with, with KG, you know, I've been to Japan and and he knows me as a person, you know, he knows Cole as a person. So he's able to give us, you know, give you guys those backgrounds of who we are outside mm-hmm. of this to really make you connect to the person that's in the ring, that's mutilating their body. You know, as he, as he's saying, like when he's not doing this, he's watching anime and he's being a nerd and he's going out and playing Pokemon yeah. and Cole, Cole Radrick's out doing crash test dummy stuff and you know wrecking cars and demo yeah. derbies so you're really able to connect to the person in the ring and you're like oh my god I go I do that stuff I you know I'm interested in that stuff
2: yeah and like Gil the story and... they told sorry go continue. Ahead. oh Gil and Prezak are really kind of finding like a really great rhythm too
1: oh yeah and and oddly enough Dave Prezak was you know he he's Done commentary for a handful of my matches, and one of them was my debut with G-Raver, and um, and it for me like one of one of my like biggest phrases was having Dave Frazier come to the back and, and tell me, man, that was a, a fucking incredible match, and I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, thank you. That you know, like hearing that from him, who's seen a lot, you know, and could have been like, yeah, man, that was a pretty good death match, you know, but to tell me it was a match you know, just a match, not yeah. a death match, mm-hmm. not a, you know, like as a match, it was incredible. That felt good. And you know, that, that little extra vindication of like, Hey, this guy had like, he, he's not going to tell you that it was incredible. If it wasn't incredible, yeah, you know, for
2: sure. And you been, I,
1: I was really happy with that.
2: Yeah. You've been absent from GCW for a while now. Is it just like scheduling conflicts or or what's going on with that? No, it's just how it goes. I, uh, I, I, I was I was a
1: regular for a while, and then uh, you know we we did the Japan tour. Then the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's just a lot of other guys that are that are more readily available. I think there's there's a lot of other guys that you know kind of do do different things. And as GCW's kind of tapered away from deathmatch stuff, I think they kind of use whoever might be like a more local deathmatch guy to whatever areas they're mm-hmm. in. Fair. Um, You know, obviously you you've got the Alex Colones and and that of the world that you. You have to use you're not going to not use alex so it's it's tough to to kind of fit into that into that spot when there's you know only so many spots available and you know when it it's good and bad i i love being there you know Mm -hmm. i it 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 felt good to be home it felt good to to be back you know having that tag match that went surprisingly well you know and and to be able to fill in and and step up and, and deliver And then to have, once again, you know, it seems like when I'm there, the matches that I have are memorable and for a good reason. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I think it ends up inadvertently being, you know, quality over quantity. You know, I'm, I'm there one or two times a year and I have great matches and people can sit and marinate on that so then when i get announced again people can stay excited and it's not like oh we just saw him
2: last week you yeah, know getting a chance to be missed can be a really really good thing
1: yeah i mean it, it's always i always make the joke of like man one of these days it'll be nice to, to see the graphics say make to you know not say making his return <laughs> but at, but at the same time you know it, it does i think it, it definitely benefits because people they, they don't get tired of seeing me they you know they they're not like, oh, we we've seen that recently. We we've seen you know his style recently. You know, well, it gets to be fresh every time I do it.
2: Yeah, when I saw that it was going to be you and Cologne, I was super excited because I knew you guys would tear it down. But this was almost better.
1: It it worked out in in the best way possible, and I think I think the reason that it worked out the way it did because had Alex not been announced as injured. And had people still been expecting that, and they would have gotten Cole, it would have been a huge letdown, because they would have been expecting Alex and I, and then Cole would have had an uphill battle,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we could have had the same match, and it would have gotten the same reception. But Alex announcing that he was hurt and pulled himself from the whole weekend on Saturday allowed fans to sit and think, "Oh, well, now it's a surprise, and now you know now we get to be invested in like what are we gonna get?" So, I think that lended itself, you know, obviously Alex and I we have incredible chemistry and, you know, I, I can't wait to have a normal singles match with him in GCW, Mm -hmm. you know, something that's not a tournament where we're not, you know, confined by whatever venue we're at because we've had numerous singles matches and it's either been in a tournament or the venue said, Hey, you can't use glass or, you know, something like that. So I'd really like it to, to have what we were supposed to have Sunday at some point here.
2: So let's get into time machine and let's go back about a, a year and change. And let's talk about, uh, ICW no holds barred six. You did to my knowledge, the first, uh, one hour Man uh, death match with, uh, John Wayne Murdoch, whose yep. idea was that? Who pitched that to you or did you pitch that to someone else? Uh, Danny
1: just said, we're doing it. And I said, okay. great. Good thing I can <laughs>
2: Did you um, have to because, prep for? Sorry, did you have to prep for that any different, obviously, than you would a, a regular match? Just more cardio or just more ideas? Yeah, more cardio.
1: I, I ramped up more cardio. Um, my my biggest thing is I did not want anybody to say we mailed it in, in that sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. I made sure it was sixty plus minutes of go 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 go, and John hung the whole way. You know, like there was there was no sit in a rest hold and, and wait for five minutes. You know, there were there was no bullshitting around it was it was 60 plus minutes of action and you know a lot of at the time it was it was history making you know because it had never been done before in in any sense whether america japan anything
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know and and so we were making history and you know john john and i have chemistry unlike anybody else that i have chemistry with um And every time we are in a ring together, we find a way to make magic. And this was one of those opportunities. Um, It was really, really a special moment for me. And, you know, I'm really proud of that. Um, Unfortunately, you know, the the steam didn't keep going in ICW for me after that, but
2: it is what it is. Were you happy with the way it turned out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the, uh, the biggest, the biggest detriment to that match was the fact that the match prior, the, the two people in the match before us went like 40 some minutes because they were young and dumb and, you know, didn't realize that like, Hey, there, you know, we should probably know our place. Um, and that was a bummer because, you know, that, that really sucked the life out of us for the live crowd, you know, and it, that, that made it tougher, but I was happy
2: with the match. Because I think that a match like that, uh, like an Ironman match, like even like a traditional Ironman match in a traditional show, you you have to understand. Like everybody else on that card has to understand that they have to adjust for that match. And I think what make what puts you in a tough spot for that is is doing a sixty minute Ironman Man death match main event on a deathmatch show. Yeah, there's like there's like what else could you possibly do that you know they haven't been seen before? And if I remember correctly, was the finish of that not the? the flipping pod driver off the scaffold or something really high, or am I thinking of a different match? Uh, that was,
1: well, we did the, we did the destroyer out of the balcony, um, the match before it.
2: Oh, that was the set. Um, okay. Cause I'm never, I was, I but, was worried about you after that. one. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I've taken John's destroyer out of many heights through many different things. Cause I will always trust John with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the, the final stretch of this one, it was off of the platform through a pane of glass. Okay. Okay. Let's actually, uh, through a
2: couple. Why not? What's what, two, three, four. Yeah. Why not, right. Yeah, of course. So part of the, of what I think makes my podcast fun is we throw in some music. Cause that's one of my other big loves besides pro wrestling is music. And I like to have uh, the folks that come on, pick two different songs. You could not have gone in two different spectrums, which I love. <laughs> um, I, I, I think you've been coming out to this recently. I know you've got the cowboy hat and stuff, and there might be some sort of bit of story that I missed, but tell us what your first song is and, and why. Uh, well, the first one is Friends in Low Places by
1: the, the great Garth Brooks. Um, why? Because uh, when I when I had sobered up, um, you know, 10, 10 years ago now, in treatment, every Thursday we sang this song. And of course, growing up, I grew up in small town Minnesota, grew up on listening to country music, grew up listening to Garth Brooks and his alter ego, Chris Gaines. Um, oh boy.
2: <laughs> so you're it, the
1: one. It, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, grew, grew up on that. And, you know, everybody knows this song. Everybody knows it. Um, down in San Antonio, I were, was on the San Antonio Riverwalk, went and bought a cowboy hat. And decided you know what i'm just going to change my music to friends in low places
2: and call it a day and the rest as they say is history <laughs> all right so we're gonna Absolutely. go we're gonna go to that right now this is friends in low places this is the great garth brooks on the punk and Drivers podcast
3: blame it all on my roots i showed up in boots and ruined your blind tie affairs the last one to know, the last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes When I took his glass of champagne And I toasted you and said, honey, we may be thrilled, But you'll never hear me complain I've been there before. Everything's alright. I'll just say goodnight and I'll show myself to the door. Hey, I didn't mean to cause a big scene. Just give me an hour and then. I'll be as high as that ivory tower. But you're never
2: That is Friends in Low Places. He's actually got a banner up in, uh, in our arena where the Edmonton Oilers play because he did like six or seven sold-out shows in a row and they hung a banner up there next to where the Oilers stand the cup banners are, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, because he's the greatest performer of all gosh
2: dang time. Gosh dang. Watch your <laughs> mouth, young man. So you talked about chemistry. Uh, who do you think are some of the guys that you've had the best chemistry with in, in your matches, be it traditional or death matches?
1: Bobby Beverly. Uh, um, we, we had instant chemistry. Um, he, he is an unsung hero of, of wrestling and has been, and he's been around for 15 some years, I think. And he is incredible at what he does. I'm glad he's finally getting recognition. Yeah. Since um, he got the four,
2: four O rub, he's been in a lot bigger, bigger place. Oh yeah. And kind of elevated a bit more. And, and it's, it's, it's lucky. Like it's good for him. Bobby Bobby's
1: absolutely incredible. Um, he was, he was a replacement, uh, Against me, uh, Mania Week last year um, for ICW No Holds Barred, and we had a breakout match that nobody expected. Um, Bobby and I've had some some awesome matches for IW Mid South, um, and John Wayne Murdoch, obviously, he and I have chemistry that you know is is unlike any other. It always ends up with with trading tube shots, on the floor, and the fans just losing their absolute minds. Um, one of the coolest experiences ever was you know, when I pinned him in the quarterfinals of King and mm-hmm. hearing the hearing the crowd absolutely lose it in disbelief of oh my God, he beat John Wayne Murdoch in a King of the Death match. You know, when when they're used to John losing in the finals. Yeah. Um that so that was that was super cool. And and John and I John and I have had some some amazing chemistry. Um those are the first two guys really that come to mind. Um G Raver and I when when I debuted, when we were talking we were already finishing each other's sentences and we'd never met each other before.
2: That's awesome. Um,
1: uh, Schlack is another guy that um, for me, as much as I kind of avoid chaos, mine is more like calculated chaos and Schlack is just pure chaos. I, I think we mix so well together um, just because our, our brains work the same way when it comes to psychology and out there, you know, our, our Fight Forever death match was one of the death matches of the year last year. Um, and it's because we, we just work and gel so well together.
2: I watched twenty three of the twenty four hours of that. I fell asleep for an hour and I was mad at myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. So <laughs> oh much is is it was is so she- much wrestling. Is Schlack a good dude? Because he's a guy, if I was at a meet and greet, I'd be afraid to go shake his hand just because he's got an aura. You can't deny he's got an aura about him. And all the interviews I've seen and him on commentary, he seems like a good dude. But once he gets out there, it's just intensity, you know? He is one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. Really? Um, Oh, my
1: God. He's the first guy that'll play doctor in the back. We always call him Dr. Schlack because he knows literally everything about anything that – to do with the human body and how it works and how to fix it or why something is doing something um he's rocket science smart um and he just a good dude in the back you know kind of keeps to himself a lot of the times you know but he is just he's an awesome guy and out there i we always joke about japan because we were tag partners for a couple matches when we were over there and slack is going crazy and screaming and yelling and I'm on the apron the whole time saying Schlack just take a freaking breath <laughs> like stop and breathe for a second you're gonna get exhausted
2: <laughs> I think he would have fit in like if you watch those old like IWA Japan and FMW tapes where like Leatherface oh my would, God. Both, would go through the crowd and they would all run like it's Godzilla uh, I think oh he would have fit in in that era perfectly
1: Oh, uh, Schlack is I, I've never seen somebody more over Japan loved Schlack mm-hmm. They they uh, it was slackomania was running wild.
2: There's he's a he, T-shirt. He,
1: yeah, no kidding. He brought like three suitcases of merch, and they were gone night one. It was that's,
0: insane. That's it it awesome. was
1: absolutely surreal to to watch like to watch it unfold in front of our eyes. And I was like, oh my god, they really love him over here because he he's so different from anything you see over there. Yeah. Insane.
2: How were those tours in Japan? Was that your first time going over there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I never wanted to go home. You know, that, that was the best two weeks of my life. It was, um, I've, I've never felt more at home in a foreign country. Um, I've never, you know, everybody was so inviting. Everything was so user-friendly for Americans to come over and, and kind of navigate, even though it was all in Japanese, you can Mm -hmm. still, you know, the, the Google translates and stuff and the way their public transportation was set up. You know, and I I could spend days and days and days in Akihabara, like the anime district. Oh, my God. I was I was in heaven. Everybody else was out at the wrestling stores and, and going and, and seeing other stuff. And I was just there by myself, just <laughs> going up and down all 18 levels of every building, looking at every single figure. And, oh, man, it was it was absolutely heaven. And it truly an incredible place.
2: I heard from a lot of people in a lot of interviews that I've seen as well that uh, I don't know if it's like it's so much now because I think it might be a little bit more Americanized, but I heard a lot of people had trouble finding stuff they wanted to eat over there. Is that not so much like that anymore? And
1: Oddly enough for me being a I'm a pescatarian, so I'll only eat fish. You know, I don't really? eat any other okay. type of meat. Yeah. Um, and KG is the same way, Kevin Gill, and he and I were able to eat and there was no issue literally zero issue you go to mcdonald's you can get a filet of shrimp i was like this is the thing (laughs) that's the real thing apparently it is um you know obviously there's a lot of steakhouses a lot of steakhouses and you go there and they're like well it's steak um rice with no flavor and an awful side salad that's all those are your options so you better like steak
0: did you (laughs) guys go to Rivera?
1: yep I have a Ribera jacket.
2: the boy. Good for you.
1: Yeah, I, I did. I did earn a Ribera jacket. So
2: a, f- a friend of mine went, will, went down to the wrestle. It. Sorry, a friend of mine went down to the wrestle years ago, and he he has two, and I've been begging him to give me one, but he won't do it. You got to earn that. <laughs> you, know, <shit>. that was,
1: <laughs> you, you do. You do. I was I was really I was really happy to get that because I was like, oh, man, watch. I'm, I'm going to go to Ribera. And I'm not, I'm, you know, it's, they're going to be like, oh, you got to wait till your second tour. Cause the, the first time GCW went over there, I guess some of the guys that didn't get one because they were oh. like, no, not, not yet. Hmm. Um, and, and this tour, you know, some of those guys then got one and, and then, uh, a few of us, a few of the rest of us got some. So uh, it was nice to be one of the, one of the ones that
2: got one. I was like, hell yeah, this is, this is a good feeling. That's awesome. Now when it comes to the death matches, what, uh, what, what sucks the worst? my my gut says Ugh. my gut says gusset plates just I work in one of the big chain like home improvement stores, and, and one day I went and I grabbed one and I just touched it and I'm like, "You're out of your fucking mind <laughs> uh oddly enough i'm a I'm a big fan of gusset plates,
1: uh just because they they're you get so much bang for your buck um, you get a
2: lot of color from them things, eh? <laughs> oh yeah,
1: oh yeah uh for me
2: oh boy, oh boy
1: i I don't mind really anything I all of it's fine I avoid needles because um, I'm a big baby I avoid anything like that um I don't do skewers I uh yeah I've done them like one time and I'm like absolutely not never again no um so thankfully I've not had to wrestle Masada um the the only the only time I had to wrestle him was in a, a fatal four-way and somebody else ended up taking skewers so I I dodged that nice um but yeah, that skewers I would say is is the big thing. I would I would avoid every time.
2: Interesting. Um let's we're going to jump off wrestling for a second and I want to talk about Twitch. You mentioned it uh, earlier. Uh I don't really know a lot about it. Like I know it's just like simplified it's watching other dudes play play video games, but I've I've, I've heard or I understand that it's a great way for, for performers and wrestlers and whoever to really connect with the fans. So tell me kind of about, about the Twitch and what you do and where people can find you on that. Man, yeah, like for me, because I am very,
1: very um, introverted, super introverted, um, but it allowed me to, to kind of hop on and it took me a while to figure it out. I, like, I am of the young generation, but I'm not tech savvy. Mm-hmm. um but when i when i came out here to colorado you know we stream rocky mountain pro on twitch you know all of our all of our shows are are streamed on twitch um on the the rocky mountain pro twitch so kind of here the the mentality was like hey guys if you're a member of the roster like get on twitch and you know you guys can stream on the channel and that'll build your own channel and they're like it's just an easy way to make money well you know you're already doing like, you're already going to play video games anyway, so you might as well play and talk to fans while you're at it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I, I got into it, and, you know, I I found a lot of success playing games that, like, I've never played before, or I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, and then you end up half the time just not realizing that you're playing a game because you're bullshitting with the fans the whole time, you know? No, I'll play, like, I'll play Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff, and I'm so out of the the loop because, you know, I... I got into it when I was young and then went away from it and the game has completely changed. So I spend half the time going, I don't know what just happened, but uh, I'm going to continue to try. And you know, some people know everything about it. So they, they allows them to like jump in and be like, Hey, what, you tried this or, you know, Hey, like do that. And then, you know, they, they get to kind of, it, it's a fun way to interact and, mm-hmm. and do stuff because like when, when you play games that aren't like, cause I've played a bunch of Fortnite in the past um because it's such an easy game to play and i i play it with you know friends from from back in minnesota and um that one's kind of tougher to to interact and, and do stuff with unless you're just kind of bsing. but like when you're playing games that like some people i played final fantasy i've never played final fantasy in my life because i i didn't like turn-based stuff but they remade it and one dude was like dude this is my favorite game of all time and he was a huge fan of mine from wisconsin and from when I was doing ICW out there and so I would play you know every other night and he was he was in the chat the whole time and you know the the views would continue to go up and he's telling me like hey you know like and just giving me like backstory on stuff and you know things that I didn't know at all and it was really fun and cool to like experience that through his eyes because I was like I don't know anything about this like dude this is my favorite franchise of all time like this game was like my entire summer and you know so that was really cool and i was like this was actually super fun you know and i had no interest in playing final fantasy but it was free so i was like oh shit i'll play it whatever
2: did you have to go and buy like a bunch of new stuff and new shit oh to, my to god like, you, <laughs> oh was my it, was, god. it a, was it a big investment for you it is it is a huge investment because
1: you can do it a lot of ways like at first i just streamed straight from my playstation but you know there's there's so many ways to do it and they're like well you can make it look cooler and you can do different things if you do it with you know like a, a capture card or all these oh my god and that was such a such an ordeal to figure out thankfully one of my like referee friends from back in minnesota clark feldman um he was he had already been streaming because of the pandemic you know streaming kind of took off um so he had already jumped on that bandwagon and so he was able to give me so much information. I was like, "Oh my god, thank God!" Because I have no idea what the hell I'm doing.
2: <laughs> is it is it lucrative? Are you are you profiting?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I I made back the the money that I, I spent on all the all the stuff, and I didn't skimp on stuff. I made sure to get the good capture card. I made sure to get a good uh, webcam. I made sure to get a good microphone, a good headset. You know, all that stuff because I was like. Well, if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't half-ass it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did. And, you know, once, once you stream enough and, and you build enough of a community and, and it starts, you know, you start getting subscribers and stuff, then all of a sudden you, you get that, that monthly, that monthly payday. You're like, oh my God, wow. Okay.
2: So I got paid to play video games this month. This is cool. Yeah, Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can't, can't complain. A little while ago, there was a big hubbub when WWE kind of shut down their guys on Twitch and, and, and kind of shut it down as a revenue stream and a way to communicate with fans. What did you make of that?
0: Uh,
1: I I stay away from all that stuff. I thought it was a, I thought it was a bummer. I mean, but I also understood of like that's they're making a bunch of money off of that because you know they're huge megastars. So, you know, they're spending their time doing that and you know, they're they're doing all this, but WWE's like, "Hey, if they're making all this money, we should be able to make this money cuz they're contracted by us." Yeah. So, of course, you know, they they want to they're all about money. It's a giant business. You know, it's it's less of a wrestling company, more of a more of a, "Hey, we're just here to to create an entertainment product and and make money, and that's cool." That's whatever, you know. But yeah, I, I thought it was a bummer because, you know, a lot of people that that really allows them to interact with their fans. It really allows them to have that extra level of engagement where I think, you know, guys of that level, your chat's going so crazy and so fast. You can't keep up at all, yeah, but true. you know, you're, you're still able to just kind of do your own thing and, and fuck around and play video games and your fans get to chat with each other. And, you know, you get to build a nice little community. I mean, you saw it with like critical role that I'm a, I'm a huge D and D nerd and critical role took off. But, you know, just by starting to stream on Twitch and all of a sudden this community came out in droves. So then when they were like, hey, maybe we want to possibly make our first campaign into an animated series. And in like it was in no time at all, they had raised like millions of dollars and it all started from nothing. You know, it started like you watch the first few episodes and they're still interacting with their subscribers and, you know, the people in the chat and stuff. And then it becomes this mega product and you're like, oh my God, what has happened? We were just playing a game. Now it's a giant corporation.
2: Yeah, that's really awesome. I think what people forget a lot about wwe like when all the releases come around they're like how could they do these to these people's lives is is there, they're a business first and foremost and they're gonna do mm-hmm. what they think is and I'm, i mean no pun intended they are gonna do what's best for their business and it's not about you know trying to go out of their way to inconvenience people or hurt people or, or take away livelihoods it's just they're gonna do what they think is best for their bottom line and if you look at at, at the releases of you know the financials it, it's working
1: yeah, I mean they're they're posting record profits and you, you can't do that if you're if you've got a, a payday of, you know, eighty people that, that don't ever even get T V time, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. It,
1: and it's always a bummer because you know you, you see friends get signed and released and you know, uproot their lives or go go do something else. But it's it's the risk you take in this business. You know, we we, we take risks and literally every time we, we go out and, and do anything in that ring. There's, there's at no point are, are we a hundred percent secure in what we're doing? So, you know, it's, it's always a bummer, but you know, the contract you sign, you know, you, you know what you're doing. So you it's a, it's a risk you take.
2: Yeah. And those guys that, that, you know, they go up there for, for the the cup of coffee, you know, when they come out, they, they get that WWE rub and they've got a little bit more exposure always. and a little bit more, you know, their faces a little bit more and their, their rates on the independence can go up a little bit and you know, it, it is what it is. Oh, absolutely. Oh,
1: it, 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 is not a, it is not a bad business move. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to tell me the truth, all right? All right. How good does George Springer look in blue? Oh, I oh love my it. God. It's so beautiful. Oh, I
1: hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate
2: it. <laughs> look, as long as he ain't wearing pinstripes, man. You know, we could, we could agree on that. So I'm a big baseball guy. I obviously see you with the Houston Astros jersey. How did you become a, a Houston fan? Because I know you're from Minnesota. You live in Colorado now. Where does the Houston thing come in, or am I missing a big chunk of something?
1: So I, I became an Astros fan when they, when they switched back over to the AL, and they okay. switched back to their, the, the tequila sunrise colors and, you know, the, the orange away from that, like, awful red color. Um, and they were god-awful. They were terrible for a lot but, of years um, <laughs> oh yeah and because i like for sports i'm i'm big on like i'm big on players and, and less of teams and you know if if players are, are dedicated to to their teams or, or whatever it may be then i'm like hell yeah i'm a i'm a fan of this team because um, growing up with minnesota sports it's growing up with depression and, and constant you know letdown um as as we saw with like the 98 you know, NFC championship with the Vikings. Um, The the twins haven't, haven't been a legitimate contender since before I was born. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I sat in when I fell in love with baseball, like when Barry Bonds was chasing the the home run title, you know, of course the national, I'd watch the twins. We'd always make it to the playoffs and then just get swept by the Yankees. That was awful. And I got so sick of seeing that and investing all this time to just lose in the playoffs. So I decided, you know, I'm just going to find you know, other teams, I'm going to find other things that I like. And I gravitated to the Astros because they were a young team. And I got really into, you know, minor leagues and, and sabermetric stats and, and all these things. And I was like, man, you know, these, this team is going to be great one day.
2: You because are a nerd.
1: Awful right now. <laughs> no, dude, dude. It, Respectfully, it's one of, those of things course. That once I go down, once I, go, oh, of course, once I go down that rabbit hole, it's, it's bad. And I'm like, oh yeah. I, I remember when George Springer got called up to the majors. You know, I, I remember, you know, he got called up with Jonathan Singleton who was also supposed to be as big of a star and that never happened. I, I watched them play as rookies in target field. Um, Springer, Springer hit a home run. And I remember looking over at the person I was with, I was like, remember this This is going to be a huge deal. Cause this guy is going to be one of the greats of all time. That's awesome. And, uh, th- that person didn't give a shit about baseball, but I was pumped. I was thrilled mm. through the roof. I was like, this, this is like the perfect scenario. Um, And yeah, I, I just love the sport. It's, it's uh, you know, I, it's the best sport of all time. I, I love it. And I I'm so romantic about baseball because I I can't not be.
2: On a side note, you mentioned the, the Barry Bonds thing. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a really great 30 for 30 uh, on he and Sosa chasing that home run thing. And the kind of the fallout from the steroids and all that, if you haven't seen it, it's a really good watch. Um, I I have not watched that one. No, but I will. Yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, My bucket list is to go to all the 30, all 30 major league parks before I die. I think I'm on 14 now, uh, which is pretty good for a kid or a guy from from Western Canada. Um, Oh, yeah. Do you think we're going to play this year? Oh, my God. Isn't it sad? I hope so. Like, apparently
1: the talks are getting better. Apparently they're they're going in with, you know, because the ones most recently were like 30 minutes long. They were, they were in and out. Oh my God, they the made 30 minutes? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. they are they are in and out. But now I guess, um, they said at the last meeting, the, the tone was a lot better. It was a lot more of like, Hey guys, like we're not going to stand our ground. I guess both sides were like that. And they were more of like, Hey, we just want to play baseball and let's figure it out. So blue, I, I blue think Jays are
2: dangerous. There. Oh, this is your guys. This is your guys year. We lost. We lost a little bit like, of some pitching, but uh, we've we've got we've got all the juniors, all the kids, and uh, it's a oh long my god! Watch, every man. every major league player's child <laughs> is on your guys' team. Cause I was really they're upset. They're all better than their parents. <laughs> I was really upset that that team that we had a few years ago with Tulawitzki and Batista and all those guys, and mm-hmm. they didn't get it done. I was like, now we got to wait another twenty years. But uh, but the, the young kids are coming up, and I think the future is bright. And, and I don't want us to get robbed like the Expos did the strike year. And I've been a Blue Jays fan for a long time, so I'm super excited when we get these guys back out on the field.
1: Well, and I, and I really hope that, that George stays healthy this year because I know we had a lot of health problems last year. Yeah. But, but every time he was on the field, it was great. You know, every time he was out there, you know, he was, he was making plays and, and he was getting hits and he was doing what, you know, the Astros were used to seeing. So, you know, I hope for your guys' sake you get to see him in, you know, all 162 games if we get to play all of them.
2: Yeah. What's your take on the whole Astros stole the World Series thing?
1: I think everybody cheats.
2: I think, I think you're right. Caught. I think you're right. Um, I mean it. It's not
1: that doesn't make it any less wrong, but I, I think that's that's a thousand percent because the Red Sox and the Yankees got hit after us, but nobody talked about that. Yeah, you know, because we won the World Series. Um, it it's a bummer because uh, I, I think it taints a lot of people's you know um, view of of some great players. You know, and there was a couple guys that said you know everybody cheated except you know Altuve and I think it was Altuve and one other person they said re- refused to use it
0: mm-hmm. but
1: you know who knows whatever it that's all that's all hearsay but it, it's tough because you look at that and you know you have great great you know hall of fame at the end of their career players and and then there's the the tainted like yeah well how long were they cheating and you know look at look at their look at their batting average that's basically the same and you know, it's it's gone down by two points. You can mm-hmm. tell that they're worse off, and it's like, come on. <laughs> <Man. Ugh>. uh. <laughs> I, I also yeah, I think that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame, and and that's that's apparently a, a bad take in some people's eyes too.
2: So I think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame too.
1: Well, he's uh, he's only the, the greatest hitter of all time. Uh, yeah, no, know you know the, the the hit king.
2: All right, before uh, before I kick you out of here, um, we're gonna go to your second track. Uh, I don't know much about this band. This band is called what's it? Dance Evan Dance, Dance Gavin Dance. Dance Gavin. I'm so sorry. I don't have it right in front of me. I have it ripped and ready to go. Dance Gavin Dance. And this song is is couldn't be further away from friends in low places. Tell me what this song is called and tell me why you picked it. This song is called Bloodsucker by Dance Gavin
1: Dance. Um, well, the the name of the the podcast is Punk and Pile Driver. so I was like, well, I got to show off my. My, my roots to, to emo and, and, and hardcore music. Dance, Gavin Dance is the perfect mix of clean vocals and, you know, awful screaming and yelling. And I, I've, I've loved them forever.
2: I'll give you a, like a little quick back history. The, it's called Punk and Prowlers. When I originally started this, I was, it was just going to be me And I was going to combine my two favorite things, which is pro wrestling and punk rock. And I was going to talk about what's going on in pro wrestling and, and, and and play new punk tracks that come out every week. And I started to have, I work for, for an independent wrestling company that here in my city, we run in Edmonton and Calgary and I do commentary and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up starting to have my friends on just to, you know, interview them and talk about what's going on in Alberta and talk about their, you know, their careers and how they got started and that kind of stuff and instead of me picking the songs i'd have them come and pick the two songs so that way you know we'll get them to you know play right. some songs they like and talk about what they like and it just kind of snowball into that so so that's why it's called punk and pile drivers i thought about changing the name but i thought fuck it i'll just stick with it yep gotta keep it all right so this is dance gavin dance the song is on the punk and pile drivers podcast <laughs> Dance, Gavin dance the second choice from the Wizard King or invite on the Punk and drivers podcast um, is there anything that uh, that somebody wanted to do with you in a match or even a promoter wanted to do or wanted you to do in a match that you were like and uh, that's not for me I I have
1: actively avoided any type of barefoot match um, a lot of it for me is just I I will say yes to almost anything, Um, but there's just some people I won't work with, Um, and I I think that's been the main thing. There's been a few times where people have said,
2: hey, um,
1: I I want you to wrestle this guy, and I say, absolutely
2: not. I I will not, under any circumstances, wrestle, wrestle this person. Fair enough. Um, what is your booking looking like upcoming? Is there any shows that you want to plug and what's your, is your mania week shaping up anything going on in Dallas for you yet?
1: Um, I have, I have nothing going on yet.
2: That's a crime.
1: Um, obviously that's all, that's uh, like, like I said, man, I, I just pop in like once a year for, for these things. So I might've already used my, my once a year quota. Um,
2: but I, uh,
1: but there's a I'm lot of companies down
2: there in, in Dallas at the time. So you, you should, yeah. You know, somebody should be knocking on your door. You think so? So I I, I mean, it's always open because I, I do have it available. But uh,
1: no, right now, a lot of my focus has been um, I, I, help, I help out here at the, uh, the Alpha Wrestling Academy, Rocky Mountain um, for, for Rocky Mountain Pro. Uh, it is an incredible place. We run weekly TV out here, uh, weekly live TV um and we so we're we've got 92 shows this year just for just for rocky mountain pro that's so insane. that that alone is keeping me busy um and man we we run every tuesday and the the houses have gotten bigger and better every tuesday and you know the the talent that we have that that comes out for the tapings you know is just getting bigger and better each time and we're doing some really cool stuff out here so the the Rocky Mountain Pro YouTube and Rocky Mountain Pro on Twitch um is definitely the way to go to to see me um in the most like regular sense. And I, I don't do death matches out here. I you know I might dabble in hardcore uh on, on pay per views. But other than that, I am I'm just wrestling.
2: Normal wrestling.
1: Yeah, just, just <laughs> normal wrestling out here.
2: Awesome. Now I want, this is the last thing that I want to bring up and I want to bring this up carefully so you understand where I'm coming from. Um, your gear and your tattoos, there's a lot of satanic imagery in it. Is Is—is mm-hmm. this an ideology that, that you follow or is this more of just something you're doing for aesthetics? Because I've read a couple of Anton LaVey's books over the years and it's a very very interesting ideology and very logical. I just want to know if that's something that you that you follow, or is that something that you're into, or is it just something you use for imagery? So, I um, you know, growing up, I was always a reader.
1: I was always, you know, I my my adoptive grandmother always brought me to the library every weekend, and you know, so it was always, you know, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. And then as I got older, I got into reading philosophy, and I got into reading, you know. Nietzsche and I got into reading all, all these type of types of things so my my view on life became very philosophy based and less theology based um and and then you know as I went away from Christianity you know you're most people are raised Christian at least in the Midwest for sure
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: once you kind of start to think for yourself you kind of get to choose which way you want to go um and I did and I you know I I got the tattoos and I, I had the imagery cause I was, it was a lot of, a lot of my thinking, but I, you know, I wasn't a big like practicer of, of the ideology, but I, I definitely looked into it and, and read into it and, you know, enough to get a tattooed on my chest and get us taken off of local cable TV here in Colorado. <laughs> um, but I, I've gone away from it in my gear. I still, you know, obviously wear old gear with the, with the pentagram on it, but, um, Uh, A lot of it now is is more geared towards anime and I've kind of gone away from that because there are people that, you know, really do, you know, believe in that ideology and and like that. That's really like who they are as a person. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm like, those people are going to do this infinitely better than me. Um, When I was doing it originally, it was like, oh, my God, what is he doing And now? Like everybody and their mother wears black craft stuff and, you know, thinks pentagrams are the coolest shit ever to put on their gear. And I'm like, okay whatever, like. It's just cool for now until something else is cool. And I'm like, I'm just going to go back to being me. And, you know, once I, once I stop trying to be dark, spooky, scary guy and, and switch over to anime guy and wear a cowboy hat, and man, I'm having so much more fun wrestling. That's
2: awesome. Yeah, just something that I found interesting. It's something else that, it's something that I would ask G-Raver as well because he has a lot of the, of the imagery on his gear as well. And it's just, just interesting to get people's perspectives, you know? It, and then and he's that perfect example of, like, he's somebody that actually,
1: like, is, is into that ideology and, like, you know, follows that stuff and is really, like, deep into it. So I was, like, this is who he is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, this is, this is who, who G-Raver is as a person. So, like, he's going to do this better than me 50 out of 50 times,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And, and I was, like, I, why would I try to compete with that? I'm. I just need to be myself because I there's nobody to compete with then.
2: <clears throat> on a quick side note, do you ever worry about your tattoos in terms of the death matches and the glass of kind of some some getting ruined?
1: <laughs> uh, uh, man! For the longest time, the tattoo on my shoulder, I told people like, "Hey, please avoid that." Um, and then I just realized that it just came with the nature of stuff. Like my Deathly Hallows tattoo is destroyed because uh, it's got two giant scars through it. Uh, the tattoo on the back of my neck you don't even you can barely make out what it is anymore because there's so many scars back there um i I have given up on that um I have a great tattoo artist out here now in Colorado um Cobb tattoos who did my Futurama tattoo that I just got, and i'm looking into getting like a a full like i'm contemplating a back piece but i oh I'm worried about covering up my scars yeah so because because the scars now are, are more so art than anything else and so now i'm like well i gotta start covering up pieces of my body that you know aren't already covered in scars they get cut up later but if it's already scarred i i don't, don't want to take away from it i, I earn earned these
2: yeah it's funny you mentioned that you have a deathly hallows tattoo my girlfriend convinced me to to watch uh, harry potter and I never oh, yeah. had any interest. I never had any interest in it whatsoever. <sighs> we watched the first three movies, and I'm like, "This is fucking awesome." And she's like, "Okay, we stop now. You read the books." So I am halfway through the very last book. I've maintained spoiler free with everybody I know. No one's allowed to talk to me about it. Wow. So I literally don't like. I don't know anything. And I'm I'm yeah, yeah. I'm like 300, 280 pages into Deathly Hallows now, and it's so fucking good man and i'm getting is, upset like uh, i'll give spoilers now if you're listening turn it off but like dumbledore died i'm like no this can't happen and poor hedwig died and i'm like <laughs> fuck everybody and i'm Dude, like Hed- hedwig dying is the worst uh, that's the one that got me so so yeah I'm, i've maintained spoiler freedom i'm trying to cruise through it so everybody will leave me alone but yeah it's so good
1: man it and that that's why i i had to get it and it Everybody, like when I for Mania Week last, last year, it was I, I went down early and a, a friend of mine and I went to, went to Universal Studios just to go to Harry Potter World and you know take the, take the train and, and do all that. Oh man, it
2: was awesome! Go, go through Diagon Alley and it's, it's, it's real worth it. Like, it's funny that you mentioned that because literally the last sentence of the last chapter I just re- I finished reading was that's the symbol of the Deathly Hallows. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is, <laughs> but I know it's not good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right on. Uh, hit us or hit me up with your with your social medias and your Twitch and where everybody can find you. Um, my all my social medias, famous at or invite. Um, you'll, you'll find me on Instagram,
1: Twitter. Um, I think I technically have a TikTok, but I just have it just so I can watch the video that my old tag partner sends me. He sends me awesome, hilarious animal videos. Nice. Um, but I will. Not, I'll never post anything on it. Um, and then Twitch is Orinvite18, because I had already used invite and I totally forgot the password,
2: and was lazy. <laughs> so, uh, do you do like a regular stream? Was that, is that the Tuesday night thing we were talking about? Is that when you're streaming? Um, or? Oh, no, Tuesday I'm, night's I'm, your, your Rocky Mountain show, right. Yep,
1: I, I'm trying to get back to it. Um, When I moved across town, I, I moved to, from the east side of, of Denver uh, to the west side, and so I've, I've got everything set back up. It's just getting the, the internet to work in, in the way that I want to. I think I have to pay a little bit more a month to get a little bit more stable internet so I can mm-hmm. stream at a little bit more regular rate. Because right now, it's, it's, it's been pretty hit and miss. So I'm trying to get back to, to regular streams. I'm trying to get back to, to regular stuff because my, my schedule is a little bit more stable.
2: But you Wednesdays
1: is usually, usually going to be the day.
2: Right on. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. This was super, super fun. This is exactly what I was hoping for.
1: No, thank you so much for asking and and for reaching out. It's, It's been a blast. Thank you.
2: Uh, we're going to go out to brand new music from Drug Church. Uh, I got into Drug Church a few years ago. Really, really crunchy guitars and really, really growly vocals. And then got a brand new EP out. The, the song we're going to go out to is Million Miles of Fun. This is Drug Church on the Punk and Potters podcast. Again, thank you to Mr. Warren Veidt, And we will talk to you guys all next week. Thank you so much.
0: These things are